Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Good afternoon, beer geeks. It's Friday. It's 4pm. Oh, <laughs> nice. got it wrong. Um... <laughs> there was a hilarious comment on our Instagram from somebody who referenced something we'd said in the Friday 5pm podcast. And when he said, like, I heard it on this podcast, it was on Friday, I can't remember what time. Uh, <laughs> and that made me ruffle, ruffle whatever, whatever else I was doing, avoiding work while on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I, I should name who said that, but it was very funny. Um, I'll put it in the show notes if I remember. Bradley, how are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm still a little bit under the weather from last week, but... Uh... It's my own fault this week because I've been I've been uh, swimming in the sea down in uh, Kent, East Kent. I've been drinking in micro pubs um, and sitting outside of an evening when it's been very very cold. Um, so so you've, been, you've been being the classic British tourist. Yeah, pretty much, mate. Yeah. So um, in the in the independent nation of Kent, exactly because they're putting a hard border in due to Brexit. We've gone oh. from zero hard borders to two. Oh, blimey. Um, yeah. yes. So, uh, yeah. Hard borders. Yeah. In Thanet, which is kind of like the home of UKIP or it was. Um, but now it's, you know, there's lots of progressive sort of arty people that live in, in Margate. Um, and I've, I've been down there for a few days, Margate, Ramsgate, Broadstairs, um, doing, I did a micro pub to on, on the, on the local bus there, the loop bus, um, uh, with my girlfriend. Nice. And yeah. Friend. We've always wanted to always want to do that for a video and we haven't got around to it yet but that would be yeah would be a lot of fun we're gonna do it because there's like 30 micro pubs um within you know this this peninsula of of uh east kent and it, it's just cool man like they're all totally different vibes in each one they've all got their own flavor um so that was great and then i was in faversham which is you know home to shepherd neem a very historic beer town and i was drinking yesterday I think this is why I may be a bit ill, uh, apart from dunking in the sea. I was drinking um, at this place called the Ship... Uh, what's it called? The Ship... I've forgotten what it's called. Uh, the Shipwright's Ship Arms. The Shipwright's Arms, which is in Hollowshore, which is basically um, in the middle of nowhere. You go out over this amazing marshland um, and you end up in this sort of meandering river, which comes in from the sea. It's an estuary and it goes all the way into Faversham. And uh, this place has been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's It looks like an old pirate ship inside. And actually, pirates used to hang out there because 
it was like a sheltered bay and they like in in honest it was the pirates used to drink at this pub and it feels like that it's still this otherworldly sort of outback place in the middle of nowhere and i was drinking it's very um, much your aesthetic isn't it like hipster pirate i love it yeah pirate <laughs> life for me definitely um and and it was i just had a great time it's very romantic just sitting on this riverbank um last time i was there i was watching historic thames barges like wooden barges um that were coming out of um a shipyard that still builds wooden um classic wooden sailing boats and and barges and stuff and repairs them just next door and uh drinking a pint of goach's uh shipwrecked which you can only get in that pub and about two other pubs um it was just an awesome beer experience mate and and i know one day we'll get to do that together man so that's what i've been up to johnny basically fannying about in east kent um living the pirate life what have you been up to this week mate (laughs) well i've been working brad (laughs) (laughs) so on monday i went down to uh went down to finch Hampstead. Mm which is is just south of Reading in in Woking, technically. Um, And I went to visit Elusive Brewing, which is founded by Andy Parker, who lots of people on the podcast might know. He's sort of a a bit of a homebrew hero. Uh, He he was a homebrewer for a good couple of years, won a lot of awards and sort of built a little profile that way. And he actually won uh, a five grand prize in a homebrewing competition and used that to put a deposit down for a brew kit and founded a brewery called Elusive. So we went down to visit him because I'm planning our next homebrew exploit, which mm. is going to be pumpkin beer, mm. which I guarantee you half of the people <laughs> listening have just gone, yay, and half of the people listening have just gone, that's the worst news we've ever been given on this podcast, <laughs> including Small Brewers Relief being revoked. Um, so yeah, an incredibly divisive style of brewing, but we, well, we, we revel in in controversy uh, we'll get to that when we get to our video in a sec but um yes yeah, so i went down there to learn and and get a really great homebrew recipe from him that we'll be sort of adapting putting our twist on and then releasing sometime around halloween nice um and while i was down there i also recorded finally another episode of the bubble oh so we do have a long form podcast in the works probably next Sunday uh, with Andy that's full of tips about homebrewing, his journey through homebrewing, his journey of setting up what's still a very, very microbrewery. I think he's he's pushing a thousand hectolitres, so very, very small. Um, and we sort of hear all of his journey and discuss it. And there's lots of tips in there if, if you're a homebrewer as well. So that should be a really nice crossover episode. Like we try not to talk about beer too much in the bubble episodes, but, you know, homebrewing is a nice little aside. Um, and Andy's one of the nicest humans on earth and a very fun chap to, to chat to as well. Um, yeah, so that will probably be out next Sunday. I'm making no promises. <laughs> uh, currently, the workload is a bit extreme, which is why also our Patreons haven't got their patches yet. But they are going out Monday next week, aren't they, Brad? Oh, yes. We'll be round Monday be round next week. And we'll be, we'll be writing out names and addresses on envelopes for, yeah, for a good something like hours. 300 envelopes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and while i was actually down there while i was visiting uh andy and having a lot of fun opening a lot of tins of pumpkin um and accidentally inhaling quite a lot of cinnamon and then sneezing a lot um the owner of siren came around to say hey and then he gave me a quick tour of so i think I haven't been to Siren itself. I've been to the tap room, but I haven't been round the brewery for about five years. And they have got massive. Mm. Um, I didn't ask his actual size, but I think it's probably, maybe it is over 20,000 hectolitres at this point. But they've got outside tanks, endless inside tanks. 
Uh, their barrel store is amazing. It's actually it's on a first floor. Wow. Which has probably an issue that everybody here has recognised, which is the weight. Um, so initially they were going to stack them, and they got some structural engineers in who went, uh, you can't stack barrels on a first floor. <laughs> so their entire barrel store is all on one level. So you, you walk out into this room and it smells of oak and vanilla and sherry and it's amazing. And then you look out and it's just a sea of endless barrels. It's the most incredible sight, like so much more impressive than if you stack them almost. Because when you stack them, you can't see all the barrels. With this one, it's just it's just an ocean of wood. It's amazing. I'm, I'm sort of picturing, um, I don't know why, I'm picturing the X-Files. And Mulder and Scully walking around in a giant sort of alien uh, tent where they're they're watching, you know, all these these barrels that have potentially got different kind of things in them, and they're they're kind of mooching around. It's, it seems I could imagine you with one of those very strong um, uh, what are they call torches, and and the beam like shining around. It sounds awesome. I mean, they did they did have lighting. But oh. if I could have had a torch, it would have really added to the uh, the atmospherics that were in that room. You needed a torch, um, and you needed a long overcoat, and you needed a, a ginger lady. Um, <laughs> a ginger yourself. sidekick. Yes. <laughs> Instead, I had, I had Darren, the founder, who is neither a lady nor ginger, <laughs> um, but a very gracious host. Um, so, yeah, if you're... If you're Ever in the Finch-Hampstead-Reading area, it's well worth their Siren and Elusive are on the same industrial estate, so you can visit both. They both have tap rooms that open on a Saturday, so you could go down there and visit them both, and it's well, well worth it. Um, I don't know whether Siren do tours. Um, Elusive probably do, because all you do is stick your head inside, and that'll be the tour. Wow. But um, if Siren do, it's well worth uh, seeing. It's quite an industrial site, though. They're well packed in, um, so probably... Might be a bit too dangerous for tours, just for the public. Mm. But yeah, that was that was my Monday. That was lovely. Um, and yeah, we'll have some content coming out of that pretty soon, starting starting next week. Shall we move to the video? Yeah, man, let's do it. So this is our first video in two weeks. That was a, a long break. Like I think I don't think we missed an upload this year up until this point. Which for those who have been watching the Craft Beer Channel for a while is quite a feat. Mm. We used to be sporadic before I uh, I quit my day job and, and took it mostly full time, um, and yeah, it does sort of you do drop out of the algorithm and it can affect you pretty badly when you miss a lot of episodes. So we didn't want to keep that run going too much, but missed two uploads and we're back with a bang with Thornbridge, which I thought would be like I thought it would be welcomed with trumpets and you know people fainting with excitement, but instead it, it's turned out quite controversial yeah it's uh Which I, I, it's weird it's a weird one i mean i don't i don't i don't personally get it but johnny go on well i mean so that there is some con- some controversy around uh the wife of one of the owners which i don't want to get into because a the facts aren't straight and b i just don't think that a business should be judged by the behavior of somebody who has nothing to do with the business mm. although full disclosure the brewery did found at their giant house um but the the main controversy that uh that was in certainly in the youtube comments uh face facebook picked on the politics and youtube picked on the beers uh twitter just went hey that's cool and then moved back to just shouting at each other um yeah the controversy was people seem to think that thornbridge are a very average brewery mm. which 
I understand from the point of view in that they do not make uh they don't make very, very big, incredibly hoppy, punchy round the chops kind of beers. They don't really indulge in any of the the pastry fun. So they have made beers like Coco Wonderland, which had cocoa nibs. They do barrel age and they do make some wonderful sours, particularly Flemish reds, but they're not making the kind of hype styles. No. And that sadly, I think, means that a lot of people write them off. Do you think it's the the fact that you can now get like Jaipur and Green Mountain and stuff in supermarkets? Do you think people are kind of hating on that because they they think it's too popularist? And obviously, yeah, Thornbridge have been around for donkeys, so I think there's that thing where everyone wants what's new and shiny, and you kind of. Uh, can forget how good something is if it's been around for a long time or, you know, think they're not as innovative um, because they're, they're large and they're successful. Yeah. I think maybe that they're, they're very known for Jaipur, which I think is an absolutely beautiful West coast IPA, very much in the mold of those, you know, like Pliny, like Russian rivers, Pliny and, and blind pig mm. race of five um, stuff, stuff like that, that, you know, it has a lot of hop character to it. It has pine and citrus and grapefruit to it, but it's kind of intertwined with that malt character. There's, you know, either Munich or crystal malt character to it, and it's not sort of fallen off a hop cliff. It's still a very balanced beer. Uh, and I think there's definitely lots of people that don't recognise that as an IPA anymore. Um, so it's more so like I think the world the- of, of IPA has changed around them, and they've... they've although They do have, like... Uh, you know Nipahs and stuff, don't they? As well, but they've 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 stayed pretty faithful to Jaipur and the, and the West Coast uh, traditional kind of stuff. Which, to be honest, I I love drinking that style. So, you know, yeah. Well, they, I mean, so they they approach it for it. Well, sorry, I just finished my point, and I think that because they're very known for those styles, I think the other styles that they make get forgotten. And because they're available in supermarkets, I think people forget that actually, if you go onto their web shop, there's you know probably ten. 15 different beers of you know a huge variety of different styles that are as good as anything else made by the the smaller trendier uh well I was going to say modern guys but you know Thornbridge were founded in 2005 they're by no means an old business like yeah. um what's that uh, yeah 15 years um so yeah the the other thing is I've, i i feel like Jaipur because it's their most famous beer completely dominates their narrative whereas they do make lots of juicy new england style beers and their hopping rates are much lower and the beers are still much more balanced than say you'd get from a from a verdant or 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 a cloudwater but it's still incredibly well made and delicious and it does slap you around the face Mm. um they have some really really big ipas out there and they make stuff like mango halcyon which is a, a a mango west coast double ipa and stuff like that and i think maybe people Forget that, and they assume that Jaipur or Lucas is all they do. But also, Lucas, you know, I, I, I'm a for my sins. I'm a great fan of of Camden Camden Hells. I think it's a brilliant beer, and it's got better since the buyout. Even though I try not to drink it, sometimes you've got no choice. But I actually think Lucas is a significantly better beer. Yeah, a significantly better German Hellers. Um, so if I could, I'd be drinking Lucas over Camden Towns. I'd be drinking it over Lost and Grounded Keller Pills. I'd be drinking it over Don Zoko Hellas. I just think it's better than all of those. I think it's the best Hellas in the country. Uh, and it frustrates me that people miss out on that because they're sort of sucked into that narrative of, of Thornbridge being a supermarket brand now. Mm. Um, which, you know, some of their beers are. And in fact, Lucas is one, but that doesn't mean it, it, it's not a good beer. 
Yeah, exactly. I think we've we've got to always keep our our eyes and our hearts open to stuff, and uh, you know, like just because something's successful, it's like when you've got a, your favorite band that you've grown up with, and they're like a small indie band or something, and they they start they become a stadium rock band or whatever. They become a huge band, and then suddenly you fall out of love with them. It doesn't it doesn't mean they're not amazing. Still, it's just they've they've moved on or you've moved on or or you have a sort of romantic view of of how they should be and that just isn't life sometimes and and i think it, it it's really tough with music and with breweries like you get annoyed because they you know they change like kings of leon went from their like kind of strangled vocalist mm. american alt country to stadium fillers but if they just continued making strangled yeah. alt country Everyone have been like, "Oh, Thornbridge, there, uh, Thornbridge, uh, Kings of Leon, they're one-trick ponies. Like they can't can't change sound and all this kind of stuff." And I feel like, you know, the, the same is said of a lot of breweries that that get very very big and and start doing new new stuff. They're like, "Oh, they just, you know, they they shouldn't be trying to do all this geeky stuff." Or if they don't try to do all the geeky stuff, people are like, "Oh, they're just a supermarket brand now." Mm. And I think actually Thornbridge have played it kind of perfectly they have a bit of both you can go to their web shop and get a, a mango double ipa or you can go to the supermarket and get a four pack of hellas for probably six quid um i think that's you know so yeah. any 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 brand would think that that is a dream end point to be where you've still got that creative freedom but you have the you know an overwhelming success as well um on a large yeah. scale so, mate, I was actually thinking Kings of Leon. I didn't say Kings of Leon, but that was that was what <laughs> my band analogy was. So it's good to know we're on the the same page there. Um, yeah, and we also agree that their new stuff does kind of suck. It does like, kind of suck uh, for us. It kind of sucks, <laughs> but for other people, it's brilliant. I went to see them live, like probably only four or five years ago, because mm. there were some really cheap tickets. Because I don't think it had sold very well. Uh, it was one of the Hyde Park festivals. I forget what it's called. Yes, um, I I and I went been. there, and I really, mm. and it was like. The crowd was so young and so not like me, and then there were sort of some old fogies like like me and 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 Heather, just like like who are these people and why aren't they playing anything from Aha? Like yeah, man. Ah, but there we go. There we go. Mm. Let's. This is not a music podcast, <laughs> and people can still love Kings of Leon if they want to. Yes, uh, which is our point here. Um, Brad, you. I mean, you were you were. Uh, you know, people think that. Thornbridge have, have maybe kind of sold out and become a supermarket brand. But like you said, when we were just chatting before the podcast started, it's interesting that, you know, they, they believe and they probably could just be a Chaipur factory mm. if they wanted to. Yeah, be. yeah. And I mean, they haven't gone down that road. That's it. So that for me, you know, they haven't, they could have, they could have done the easy thing, which was just like, okay, this is what's working. So we'll just do this. But they they are still pushing the envelope a bit. And um, it's just because we, we, people are, your view is is totally guided by you know your your experience in life and if you're just you know meandering around a supermarket and you're seeing jaipur you're seeing lucas whatever and then you're going into um a, a cool local independent bottle shop and you're seeing all these other brands that are doing similar stuff um you're going to put more credence and 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 feel that they're more authentic than than something you might see in a supermarket and that doesn't you know, that, uh, I mean, I'm a I'm a kind of populist. I think that everything is, if it's good, it's good, um, and that's I think we can we can get a bit navel gazy about w- why something's good, 
and why something's bad and it's not fair sometimes that the way that that that, that is judged you know This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London craft beer festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, although we should say, you know, with all the stuff that we've put on the channel recently, we should say if you can't, if you don't need to buy from the supermarket, mm. don't, no, you know, go no. direct to the brewery or go to your independent box shop exactly. and, and buy it. And that is controversial. I, I believe that supermarkets do have a place in craft beer, but um, I think we should be supporting the independents wherever we can. And, and I think breweries should be doing more to to do that too. Um, yeah, so we didn't read out any specific comments for that one, just because there, there was sort of lots of comments about how the beers were were uh, bang average, overrated, tasted metallic, which is not something I've ever associated with a brewery famous for its consistency and quality, even if it's not the kind of beer that you uh, you like to drink. But there we go. No. Um, let's move on. So we've got another recorded question. Oh, I love uh, these. The... Well, We've only had one, but I'm glad you're in love with it already. <laughs> love at first sight from Brad. I've been trying um, to push so it from day one, mate. It's, it's, you have. You have. Finally, it's just finally working. Yay. Yeah. So if you do have a question, please, please just use like QuickTime on your computer or whatever the PC version of that is and just record a quick like 30 second question for us and we'll play it and then we will answer it with a plum. And this question, uh, <laughs> I think this question could get derailed quite quickly. Um, this is from Finbar. Finn uh, from over in Australia. Let's see what his question is. Hey boys, Finn from Australia here. I was listening to the podcast and noticed that you guys asked for voice questions, so I thought I'd send one in. I was just wondering if you guys have ever tried any of the brews from Australia. I live in Melbourne personally, and around my five kilometer radius, there's probably at least eight really great breweries which is convenient because we can't go any more than five kilometres from our house at the moment. Um, and, yeah, I was just wondering if you guys had ever had a chance to check them out. Love your stuff. Thanks, Finn. Thanks, Finn. Um, so, yeah, Australian beer in the UK. Obviously, there's a big issue around that because it has to travel a long way, mm. which means that it's rarely in the absolute best condition. But um, we have a thing called the New Zealand Collective over here where a bunch of New Zealand breweries have uh, come together and started shipping stuff over all together. So we do get quite a bit of New Zealand beer in. And obviously Yeasty Boys came over and targeted his market specifically. And now Stu, who, who's one of the founders, lives over here and, and runs that business and does it pretty well. I think they're doing about 4,000 hectolitres of beer, three or 4,000. Um, but in terms of Australian beer, there was a phase, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, I can remember... Well, I feel like it was almost 10 years ago drinking Little Creatures in my, my local at the time, which was the Royal Albert in New Cross, and uh, just thinking it was great. But that was, I mean, that was a long time ago. Um, 
You know, yeah, the- I think they they disappeared and then they came back. They've now got their own brew pub in uh, King's Cross in London, mm. which I've I've eaten there and it was very good. And some of the beers I had were were very good there as well. But you don't really see it out in in the trade, out in pubs at all anymore. No. Um, I've got a a, <laughs> a non-craft beer Australia-related story I can tell, Johnny. Go on, then. <laughs> so, um, this would have been approximately 10 years ago. My sister won a competition on Capital Radio. Uh, and me and my sister and my dad flew out to Sydney um, for Australia Day celebrations. And the whole trip was sponsored by Foster's. Um, so when we arrived at this right. very, very swanky hotel, I opened up the, uh, the minibar fridge and uh, it wasn't full of like miniatures and, you know, Kit Kats and all the sort of normal stuff you'd, you'd get in a, in a nice hotel minibar. It was full of cans of Foster's, mate. Um, That's a nightmare. So it was That's a... li- I've had nightmares like that. Ah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> this is before pre-Craft Beer Channel. I, I still knew better than to drink it, so I didn't touch any of them. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a really surreal uh, trip that I had to Oz. Um, this was a it was a lovely hotel. I think it was the Hilton. Um, and almost immediately when I arrived, I saw a silhouette that I recognised sitting on a doorstep uh, of the hotel. It was Jarvis Cocker, um, and he was touring in in uh, in Oz at the time. I was going to say, I thought I thought he was going to be another competition winner. No, I, th- <laughs> I think he probably doesn't need to enter competitions if he wants to go somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I had a lovely little chat with Jarvis on a, on the a hotel doorstep for a little while, probably five minutes, and I just talked about going to art school and how I loved uh, his music. And... Common people references the art school you went yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, St Martin's yeah. College. So you know, I was I was kind of in awe of him, and he's such a nice guy. Um, and then to put that into contrast, another sort of hero of mine was was staying there as well, um, Nick Cave, who you know I think is awesome and his music's phenomenal. But mm-hmm. um, he was. This sort of sounds like I'm making it up, like it's a wild, <laughs> like the fish was this big kind of story, but. <laughs> um, literally, I was sat in the hotel bar with my my dad of one evening. Uh, we were drinking, I don't know, gin and tonic or something at the bar. Um, I'd been out that day uh, on on Sydney. Uh, I don't know what it's called. The Sydney, you know, where Sydney Harbour is in the harbour on a boat. Um, and uh, stupidly, I hadn't put enough sun cream on, and half of my face was burnt to a frazzle. So I looked like Two-Face. I had kind of like a real <laughs> lobster kind of pink side and then a normal side. Um, and Nick Cave was, was sat in the bar on a, on a piano, sort of playing piano ditties and a, and a little bit of singing. Not a lot of singing, but a bit of singing. Um, so I was just like, whoa. First of all, I was like, wow, amazing. And then I sort of looked at him a bit closer. He was wearing Pringle. Um, Golf wear, head to toe, in kind of pastel pink and all these mad colours, which I thought for like a golf guy, that was a very odd look, but it kind of looked amazing. But while we were sat at the bar, I'd had a few beers at this point, I could actually hear him talking to his mate and sort of gesturing at me and saying that these sort of, these pom idiots uh, come over here and they don't wear um, suntan 
you know, not suntan, but sun lotion to protect their faces. And he, and he, yeah, he's not wrong, is he? He ridiculed me to his friend Johnny, and I felt <laughs> so so bad. You know, I was like, oh my god, like met sort of met a hero, and he's actually shunned me. So it, on on the plus side, maybe you're the inspiration behind the song. Is red right hand, but he's he's protected your identity. Wow! Uh, by making it hand, not face. Wow! I'd love to think so because you know <laughs> we all love Peaky Blinders, and that is such an iconic start to a series. Um, mate, mate, I've never thought of that before. I'm gonna <laughs> maybe I'll start claiming that I am the the inspiration for Red Right Hand. That'll yeah. piss him off. nick cave stole my identity yes there you go well there's the podcast title right there nick cave (laughs) stole my identity um back back to the question from finn um so yeah so we've had little creatures we've had stone and wood pacific parallel um had a little phase i think it still comes over but otherwise there's not been a lot of australian beer washing up on our shores i think pirate life because well, yeah, Pirate Life. So I've got a funny... Pirate Life, they're now owned by AB InBev, but they made some good beer for a bit, mm. sort of West Coasty modern stuff. Um, I My funny story about meeting Pirate Life is I went to a tap takeover ages and ages and ages ago when they were trying to break the UK market. And I went to taste their beers and I met the guys there. And I turned up and I was going there just for a drink and then I was meeting my girlfriend for a date and I bought my girlfriend some flowers. And I turned up and one of the guys at Pirate Life genuinely thought I brought him flowers. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to explain, like, I don't turn up to tap takeovers with flowers for the brewers. Um, But their their beer was good. I don't know what it's like now. Um, I don't think they're in the UK market. Um, I'm sure they're just disrupting and ruining lives for small independent businesses in (laughs) Australia now. Um, But the beer was was nice. there's also uh, Feral Brewing is one that I'm aware of as being quite a hypey brewery, I think, over in Australia. They had a beer, uh, a hazy, like they brewed one of the first hazy IPAs, I think, that are big. Um, and there's a couple of mixed firm breweries, I think 10, 10 Feet Tall Brewery and something about Le Siren Brewing or something mm. that we've never tried, but sort of word, Chinese whispers comes across the uh, across the oceans of amazing breweries in Australia mm. that we've we've never encountered. So, Finn... Um, let us know who's amazing and hopefully one day we'll make it over there because it does have an incredible scene and so does New Zealand and we'd love to come to that part of the world. It's, I think since we started the channel, almost day one, we, we kind of said, where would we love to go um, if this ever took off? And, and we, we certainly said West Coast of America. I know New Zealand was in there for sure. We, we've said yeah, it was, yeah. And also Japan. So we've still got these places that we like super want to go to. Um, the, the, the other side of the world, mate. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, are you yeah, going it's to South be a long Africa? Time before we is that still come. happening? No, that was supposed to be in August. Uh, I was supposed to be speaking at a conference in South Africa, but that obviously got, got cancelled. You couldn't even drink in South Africa during lockdown. Mm. Um, so there was going to be a digital version of the conference, and I think even that got scrapped. So Damn. hopefully, maybe next year, if things have, have calmed down, maybe I'll be able to go to South Africa and, and do that and make some content. They've got some great beer and some hops, mm. um, great hops as well from South Africa. So, you know, we haven't done all of our bucket lists yet by a long way. So this channel has a long time left to run before we're done. Hell yeah. Um, and in the meantime, we've got lots of delicious homebrew content coming while we can't travel properly. Um, 
So if you're an Australian, please do let us know what's amazing. Finn, please do send us another recorded message, either more questions or just tell us who's great for, for our audience. And if you've got a question, please do send it to our email address. It's craftbeerboys at gmail.com. We did not come up with that email address. That was the third member who left. I hate it every time I say it. But you can reach us there. Uh, that's it for this week. It's probably our longest podcast ever, Bradley. Um, you're on, on good ramble form. So, yeah, we will speak to you guys. Uh, well, we've got a video coming on Wednesday. It's an exciting one. And then we'll have another podcast next week. And indeed, hopefully the bubble coming on Sunday. So lots of CBC content coming at your ear holes very soon. Love and beer, guys. The Bubble Podcast is brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer channel. Head to youtube.com slash the craft beer channel to watch this week's video and over 400 more exciting episodes. If you love what we do, please, please, please do subscribe and even join our Patreon at patreon.com slash craft beer channel. Love and beer. <laughs>